welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, MLEX's Senior Correspondent, coming to you from our offices in Sydney, Australia. And I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor, coming to you from the heart of Melbourne's Central Business District. Great to have your company. Today we'll be having a chat about the groundbreaking inquiry by Australia's competition watchdog into the impact of digital platforms, in particular the impact of Facebook and Google on the country's media landscape. Last week, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission published 57 submissions, including those of Facebook, Google and Twitter, as well as those of the country's largest media operators. There were a few surprises, a lot of very emotional language and two very different visions of the impact of the platforms on competition in the media industry. So plenty to chat about there. But let's kick off with shareholder activism today. And Laurel, you filed a story on Monday suggesting that US photocopier maker Xerox had decided to keep on fighting the fight against activist investors Carl Icahn and Darwin Deason. What's the latest? That's right, James. So two things have come from Xerox. First of all, um, it let us settlement agreement with its two activist investors lapse. That settlement would have ended a proxy fight with both Deason and Icon, who have filed legal action collectively um, or, or taken on this proxy fight collectively. It's actually Deason who's filing the legal action. But together they own 15.2% of the company according to US security filings. Um, and that settlement agreement would have granted those two investors six of the company's nine board seats. Um, as well as um, seeing off Xerox's uh, current CEO, Jeff Jacobson. Um, But by letting that deal lapse, Xerox is saying it's keeping its current board and it's sticking to uh, its current uh, company strategy and committed to making Xerox a success. So normal lines that you'd expect from a company facing two activist investors. Um, Xerox has also said that it's going to appeal a New York State Supreme Court decision uh, that blocks it from progressing talks with Fujifilm Holdings on its merger plans. And what had Xerox said on this previously? I mean, earlier in the week, they'd been singing quite a different tune, hadn't they? Absolutely. Less than 48 hours earlier to that announcement that the settlement agreement had lapsed, Xerox had said publicly that settling the proxy fight was in the best interest of all of its shareholders. So it's a complete about turn on that situation. Um, So, of course, settling that fight would have handed a lot of control to both Icon and Deason, as I've just mentioned. Um, It also would have put under threat not only the merger plans that it has with Fujifilm Holdings, but a 56-year-old joint venture that it has with Fujifilm, um, which is, I think, one of the oldest joint ventures in the world between an American and a Japanese company. So it was there were significant threats um, at play to the company's status quo, but it would have ended a legal battle that now looks set to just run and run. And as often happens with shareholder activism, it's really the market's response that is often the most uh, interesting and tells you something about what uh, investors think about all of this. How is the market responding to this news? So let's take a look at share prices just this week. As of Monday morning, uh, for us in Australia anyway, Xerox's share prices took a hit from the uh, indecision of its board, without a doubt. There was a cut of more than 12% uh, since it had said the week previously, so last week, that it would end the proxy fight. Um, And those prices, um, from last week, right at the beginning of May, um, had been the highest prices the company had seen since February, just after it announced its merger plans. Now, merger announcements usually cause a bit of an uptick in share prices, so that wasn't a surprise. Um, but by Tuesday of this week, the price had rebounded a, a touch, 
Um, and I suspect that comes off the news that Icon and Decent have since announced a $150 million bond to protect its injunctions, their injunctions or the injunctions laid down by the New York Supreme Court against Xerox. Um, so those injunctions that were stopping um, Xerox from proceeding with its merger plans and also um, that uh, Xerox had tried to stop Darwin Deason from nominating um, uh, candidates for the company's board after a company deadline. And the New York court said it, he should have been able to make those nominations. So that's what the injunctions were for. But the price today is still below $30. We're looking at $28.38 this morning, Australian time anyway. So still sort of floundering down below $30. Okay, so what does this suggest for now, and where do we go from here? Um, so the jump in share prices when Xerox backed away from the proxy fight suggests the market is more worried about this legal battle than the merger itself, or indeed how worried it might be about Icon and Decent's involvement on the board. It's not so that I don't think the market is worried about either of those things as much as it's worried about the uncertainty that's at, that's at play here. So really, the problem for investors. Is, is just that. And that's the case with all of the proxy fights that we look at. Um, it just makes the ground very unsteady for these companies. Um, additionally, just this week, Icon said in response to questions from Japanese media company Nik Nikkei, you'll have to check my pronunciation on that, and I apologize if I've done it wrong, <laughs> that the Fuji Xerox deal could lead Xerox into bankruptcy uh, because of the ongoing accounting scandal involving Fuji Xerox subsidiaries in Australia and New Zealand. James, I think that's something you've written a bit about. Yes, that's right. We first covered this issue last year, and that was following the confirmation by New Zealand's serious fraud office that it was renewing uh, an investigation into allegations that local employees at uh, Fuji Xerox uh, had uh, brought forward revenues to boost their annual bonuses. So there's the suggestion there that there, that there was um, some accounting irregularities. The reason why that was of interest uh, to us and to me in particular was because those uh, that that ongoing investigation led to a cancellation of a Fuji Xerox uh, government contract. That in turn led to a change in the uh, competition environment, and uh, it it had a, a sort of a, a knock-on effect for uh, an unrelated, a totally unrelated acquisition of stationary company Office Max Holdings by uh, U.S.-owned Wink. Uh, and so uh, there were several different dimensions to that and just goes to show that this scandal in both Australia and New Zealand is having uh, an impact on, uh, on the industry uh, much more widely than just uh, Fuji Xerox. So with the uncertainty surrounding Xerox, there's bound to be a lot to come from this activist investment campaign soon. Uh, let's not also forget that there is legal action filed against Fujifilm and we could be hearing more from the Japanese side too, which has kept comparatively quiet in this dispute. Uh, but James, let's move the conversation on to your coverage of the digital platforms inquiry of the Australian regulator, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or ACCC. Uh, as you mentioned in your intro, this is a groundbreaking inquiry over here. It's the first of its kind anywhere in the world. Um, take us through the background. Okay, now you'll remember that we first covered this in January in a piece that I wrote with a member of our Brussels team, Mary Eccles, when the ACCC's digital platform inquiries was, uh, was first announced. And the announcement itself led to a heated discussion in our Brussels office about whether or not this was indeed likely to be a groundbreaking or a world first, as the ACCC's media release kept on suggesting. Um, our colleagues uh, who have been covering both the German and French competition authorities as well as the European Commission itself 
were uh, at the time quite sceptical, pointing out that although the Australian inquiry, which looks into the impact of Facebook and Google on the media uh, landscape, although this inquiry was broader than anything attempted in Europe, it was nonetheless just an inquiry. So there wouldn't be any massive fines at the end of the process. There'd just be recommendations to, to government. The government would then be free to ignore those recommendations. And you know what antitrust reporters are like in Brussels. They don't get up in the morning unless there's a 1 billion euro fine for them to cover. Uh, and I mean, in fairness, the Germans would argue that they were probing uh, Facebook when the Australians were still getting their shoes on. But I think having read the 57 submissions published last week, I think, uh, in fact, that this is a big deal because it's the first time that Facebook and Google have had to justify their operations in such uh, incredible detail and the first time that their critics have had a chance to articulate their concerns with, uh, with, with such precision. And the submissions uh, have provided, I think, some fascinating insights uh, into the competition concerns that underpin this review. So, look, it might be the Stockholm syndrome talking, uh, Laurel, but I, I think <laughs> that I think that yes, definitely, this is a world first. It is a, a, a groundbreaking inquiry. Okay, so given that you've made your way through all of those submissions and potentially is now suffering from Stockholm syndrome, let's talk about them. What did they tell us about? Um, and what did they tell us that we didn't know already? Well, I mean, let's start with the submissions from the big tech companies. Twitter's wasn't particularly exciting uh, on purely competition grounds. It sounded like it read like something that had been prepared by the public relations department of the company. Uh, but the thrust of Google's uh, relatively short submission was essentially, what are we doing here? So Google's mission, or so they claim, is to put readers in touch with the content on media websites and in so doing, it's not a competitor for media companies. If anything, it's a means by which the producers of content can reach much broader audiences. Now, I describe their submission in my piece of analysis as a bit didactic. That's because Google is essentially arguing that throughout history, since the beginning of time, news outlets have had to contend with disruptive technologies. It was the same when TV or radio was introduced, and online platforms are part of this broader trend. Uh, and, uh, and, and this is a trend that you can't stop, so you can't get in the way of progress. And so the message to the media outlet is uh, basically deal with it. So uh, we are here and we're here to stay. Australian consumers love Google and that's all there is to say about it. As for Facebook, um, we titled my report on that submission as sit back and enjoy the ecosystem. And that's because Facebook, um, Facebook says that it's created what it calls an ecosystem in which smart media operators can actually reach a, an audience much wider than anything they could have ever dreamed of, ever imagined. Uh, and it's up to media publishers in Australia to capitalise on this, boosting their potential through the use of advertising on Google and, uh, sorry, on, on Facebook. And over 300,000 Australian businesses are apparently already doing this. And one of the subheadings of the Facebook submission was Facebook helps publishers monetize. And that, I think, is their mission statement here. It was a very uh, detailed submission, uh, one that doesn't accept the ACCC's premise, suggesting that uh, controlling large quantities of data is in some way a barrier to new players entering the market. In fact, on this front, it names names. Uh, it talks about the companies that have entered the market that have uh, continuing to offer great levels of competition. So they mentioned Google itself, Yahoo, Microsoft, Amazon, BuzzFeed, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, Yelp, 
Candy Crush, even Candy Crush, much to the uh, ex- excitement <laughs> of board commuters. Yeah, well, board commuters around the world will be glad to know that they're part of this great ecosystem. There's Clash of Clans, Pokemon Go, and Daily Motion. According to Facebook, these are all examples of the the of strong competitors that are out there competing today, and they're all there. So some company names actually a bit of a su- surprise there, at least to me, Pokemon Go, etc. Um, but a vision in that submission that was at odds with those of major publishing companies in Australia. First among them, uh, News Corp Australia. Yes, that's right. News Corp's submission is by far the most aggressive in denouncing the platforms. This is in keeping with the worldview of News News Corp's uh, chairman, the Australian-born Rupert Murdoch, who has always been very vocal. On this front. Uh, The submission refers to the platforms as anti-competitive promoters of fake news uh, and the take-home quote I think is this one, the anti-competitive practices of digital platforms have increasingly been leading to widespread consumer harm and a bit further down digital platforms are leveraging their market power into emerging markets and undertaking merger and acquisition activities to entrench their dominance. So That uh, is the take from News Corp, which owns Australia's largest newspapers, including Melbourne's Herald Sun and Sydney's Daily Telegraph, while uh, far less assertive was News Corp's main rival in Australia, Fairfax, the publisher of the Sydney Morning Herald and Melbourne's The Age, and also the Australian Financial Review, which is a national business paper. Uh, Fairfax has a publishing agreement in place with Google, so it was very careful not to say anything that might compromise that uh, arrangement. In fact, Fairfax's submission is, I think, remarkably upbeat. And they're essentially saying that, look, competition from online platforms is a problem for everyone, but not for us, not for Fairfax. We're rising to the challenge. We're looking forward. Uh, And look, all of this is a bit of a stretch, given that Fairfax newsrooms have been hit uh, by wave after wave of redundancies, and they've had all sorts of problems managing the transition from uh, online classifieds to, well, from from paper classifieds to online classifieds. But it's also, I think, at odds with Fairfax's take in New Zealand, where the company has been fighting in court to overturn the competition watchdog's decision to stop its proposed merger with local media company NZME. Now, this is interesting because um, both of those companies in New Zealand, the, the two companies that wanted to merge, including Fairfax, had been arguing that the media marketplace is defined more broadly so that big newspapers are competing not just against themselves but also against the platforms such as Google and Facebook. So uh, what what is interesting here is that Fairfax's take on this is very different on, uh, on opposite sides of the Tasman Sea. But the argument really at play here, if I'm right, James, is coming down to algorithms. So the problem that publishers have um, is that they don't know how to get their stuff onto these digital platforms other than paying for advertising. And that's because they just don't know what the platform's algorithms are looking for. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly right. So News Corp even put forward the case for an algorithm authority to regulate the use of algorithms, which is uh, an interesting uh, an interesting proposal. I think uh, this would would freak out a lot of people. The thought of a, another regulator uh, dedicated to uh, to reviewing algorithms. Seven West Media, I was say, which it is, sounds pretty extreme. Yeah, well, that, well, that's right. But um, Seven West Media, which is a publishing company, I thought put forward a really strong argument and it gave the example of the fact that it had been investing large amounts of energy and resources into creating content that would be picked up by Facebook and that strategy apparently also included an element of paid advertising so they they thought about this very carefully then recently 
you'll remember Facebook rejigged its algorithms and that was, you know, to get more, more of your friends and family on your feed and less junk from media companies. And so uh, Seven, Seven West said that as a result of those changes, it had absolutely no idea how its output would affect it, how its ability to get stuff onto Facebook uh, and to its readers would be affected. And as a result, it found itself at a competitive disadvantage. Now, this theme uh, that algorithms are out of control and that there's a lack of transparency, that is what uh, most of these submissions from media companies are all about. They're saying that algorithms are now screaming out for some form of regulation. They're arguing that Facebook and Google are in a way like monopoly distributors of, say, electricity, where, uh, you know, these platforms essentially own the power lines. And so they want governments and regulators to step in and to make sure that competition of content can thrive on these kind of monopoly power lines. Uh, and, and to do this, the regulators need to give publishers a crystal clear understanding of how their content will be picked up and, and how the algorithms behind that system actually work. Okay, but where is all this leading long term? What will the ACCC do with the information that it's gathering? Well, I mean, there'll, there'll ultimately be a report with recommendations to government. I mean, that's where these things end up. It's That's going to be next year, though, so there's plenty more to come before then. The ACCC has announced a couple of public hearings around Australia, one for advertisers, another for journalists. I think there'll be another one for small businesses uh, further down the track. Two of these are going to be in Melbourne, so I'll make sure that I'm there and that I cover them. Uh, and of course, the ACCC has the power to demand information. It feels that the companies uh, might be denying it. If it feels that the companies are being cagey to some extent, it's allowed to step in and demand information. So there's a lot of interesting stuff on the way, and uh, I'll make a point of uh, covering it uh, every step of the way. And so for those interested in this inquiry, the title on James's analysis is Facebook Google Probe Unleashes Australian Media's Fury Over Algorithms. And the link to that article is available from our podcast page. And Laurel's most recent article on the Xerox board tensions is titled Xerox Forgoes Courtroom Reprieve Risks Plunge in Share Price. And that's all from the MLEX team in Australia for today. Don't forget to check out other MLEX podcasts at the usual website, mlexmarketinsight.com, and go to the Insight Centre tab and select Podcasts. From Laurel Henning in Sydney and James Paniki in Melbourne, thanks for your company today. See you soon. Goodbye.